We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rotoviz Dynasty Reanimators, thoughts from the listeners about our team and how that may impact their squads moving forward as we get some questions that we are going to discuss through the lens of our team that we've discussed here, the FFPC Rotoviz Triflex team. We're going to look through these other teams and, and some of our thoughts to see how we can help out the OT community with their roster. Sean, Dynasty is... Uh, interesting because we we obviously know that basketball is is growing so much i did see recently you know looking at some of the trends on youtube for example that dynasty still outweighs the basketball content considerably in terms of what people are searching for and what people are looking for and obviously it's that time of year where people are doing their dynasty drafts and their dynasty rosters but it kind of because you know i know you're not in the twitter bubble but the twitter bubble is a lot of basketball conversation and um you know that was something that made me refocus back to just how much of the the fantasy landscape is dynasty related as well so always good to a bit like we try and do with the road of his tools when we look in and try and get that data to see what the the actual results are it's interesting sometimes to check in so we're diving into some dynasty conversation today and uh, i'm really looking forward to it so it should be a fun one it should be and i love to hear you say that i don't think that any of these elements of fantasy are or should be one or the other i love kind of the three main areas all so much i mean i love to draft those ffpc main event teams and you have kind of your core redraft teams for the year where you're trying to put together a a lineup to maximize your starting lineup decisions and you've got the free agent element i mean that's a really hard experience to beat but best ball is fantastic we've been doing a lot of underdog content we've got these ffpc listener leagues coming up just you know we're recording this a little bit earlier but it's almost hours away now from a release perspective i can't wait for that and yet dynasty and the rv triflex format in particular but dynasty in general and the, the amount of fun that i've had with guys like ryan mcdowell you know through the years with all of the cool stuff that he has done obviously curtis patrick is one of the, the biggest commander. yeah the dynasty commander one of the biggest names and most important movers in dynasty i enjoy doing teams with him doing leagues with him and 
I mean, you're building these teams for the long haul and they're going to be with you and you have players that you love and to get the feedback on the reanimator shows that people are enjoying that. That part has been fantastic. And as you mentioned, we're going to go through some of the things we're trying to do on our team as we reanimate what was already, uh, frankly, a, a pretty strong orphan and then look at what other teams are trying to do in one of the things I think is interesting, Colin, and I think is uh, should be considered a positive, we actually get quite a few questions from listeners who have used perpetual reloading and have very good teams. And their questions focus around how can I take this team from good to great? How can I take it from a dynasty to an empire? How can I make sure that I keep the championship window as open as possible? So it's not just about building from scratch but when you have really good teams how do you keep them there how do you make those little tweaks to maximize the championship and i mean that's great to hear because if you've been using perpetual reality for a couple of years your team should be good and so we should have you know plenty of listeners in that situation as well we've got a variety of those questions today and colin we're going to be thinking about our team and, and hoping that it also qualifies as a potential dynasty moving toward that kind of empire category yeah hopefully so so when we look at some of the questions the first one is coming in from ellie and it's looking you know kind of at what we should be doing with wide receivers in terms of when to consolidate when to maybe trade some of those star players away and obviously that there is part of the you know perpetual reloading that sean mentioned it did come in specifically in relation to the jill and waddle trade that we discussed on a past episode that was we moved our jill and waddle are now jerry judy and trail on and that was the original swap that there then moved into a couple of other things because we swapped trail on Burks for the 108 which then that 108 became quentin johnson so basically that trade has turned into jill and waddle for jerry judy and quentin johnson but that led this question to come in to see when those sort of moves should happen it mentioned that it was inspired by that waddle trade that we discussed so they're wondering if we could suggest breaking down some of their wideouts that are if they should break them down more so into two or three players and that's when you're going from that superstar asset maybe you could think of it almost like cashing out and, and trying to differentiate yourself into to two potential options who could who are not at that level now but could potentially grow into that equivalent player so looking through this roster sean there is a couple of names that really would fit the bill here there's jamar chase on this roster there's justin jefferson there's cd lamb there's t higgins it also has trail on works but it's gonna be harder to break him down for those hard plays but the ones that we'd be looking at here specifically are chase jefferson and lamb and to have jefferson and chase and lamb on a roster is a, a real incredible team to be putting together here but what are what are some of your thoughts sean in terms of again we, we've talked in the past this team looks really strong at wide receiver um, some questions maybe about the depth, you know, but JSN has been drafted into this team this year, which also kind of is reinforcing that strength trail on works that I mentioned, uh, Gabe Davis in there as well. So then you look into the other positions and where, where the weaknesses may be, but quarterback may, may be that weakness. We have uh, Davis Mills in there. We have Daniel Jones. We have Jared Stedham. So we don't have much strength there at the QB position. We do have one of our, I don't know if we'll say current favorite, Sean. One of our past favorites we had hoped for last year was Matt Corral, but there is some depth issues at quarterback here in this particular team. It is super flex PPR. It feels like a team where, you know, differentiating 
on one of those wide receivers could lead to more strength that particularly uh, running back and at quarterback on this roster and that's the hard question because when we take a waddle and turn him into multiple upside receivers who also have pretty good floors they're going to be able to retain that trade value your risk there is pretty minimal you turn one of these stud wide receivers into running backs or qbs which is what this team needs and especially at the qb position you're going to run into a little bit more danger you don't want to move off of a justin jefferson a chase a lamb and suddenly have a player who maybe helps you for one season then goes away and you're staring at that superstar receiver for the next six or seven years thinking what did i do now that's not really what ellie is suggesting here so the interesting part of it the also there's a mention that qb will be the focus in 2024 this team is just so crazy the other thing sean just to mention is draft pick wise part of the the reloading process to keep that team being able to have more firepower every year this team has one first round pick next year but has three second round picks and two third round picks so lots of firepower again whether it's to move this year or to move next year in that draft and so when you have a team that is this strong and you have some compelling deep names like this team has a lot of our favorites pierre strong jerome ford chase brown sean tucker uh at the running back position as examples i mean those guys are really interesting and then even some of the deep receivers like a taekwon thornton i think that you're going to want to make sure you have space for that player to become relevant if they hit like we think that they could and so you just have so much firepower here that if you can move off of kind of a tier two type of player or maybe even do a two for two i don't know that you're going to be able to break down one of the receivers into two things that this roster really needs although if you broke down a burks into a couple of running backs and he's someone who's had a good week he looks like he could be a breakout candidate i think that our trade for quentin johnston that looked really good to me at the time is very much more a 50 50 at this point the big issue you're still going to run into it there at some point is that they're going to make a move off of Tannehill, and then <laughs> you've got some big problems at least in the interim but if you can take that pick and, and turn it into a couple of upside running backs that would help this team out i think if you could move gabe davis so that's kind of fun now one of the things about moving davis is that he could take a he could be like a post hype guy he could be a bounce back candidate this year and while he still has pretty robust value in underdog or best ball tournaments because of the connection there with josh allen the potential stack options my experience is that in dynasty people are not very excited about him and so he's one of those players that the dynasty value and the best ball value don't really match up obviously you mentioned the elements of why you would want him in basketball but when you're deciding to put him into your lineup on a weekly basis that's a still a challenge when it comes to the dynasty side of things it definitely is it definitely is but i think that this roster is set up in a very interesting way to do a two for two where if you can get someone to buy some of the value from a gabe davis if you can get someone who has similar beliefs about some of your lower end pieces you might even be able to do something at tight end where this team has a couple of interesting tight ends in michael mayer and chica conquo you know breakout guys there but because the team is so strong 
at the position where you have to be strong. And again, Bjorn Yang Barnett had a great article on this the other day. This team, especially from the wide receiver position, is set up exactly as he recommends. Maybe you try and make a push for a QB a year early, especially because this team is so good that, I mean, your chances to actually be involved in that Caleb Williams <laughs> discussion are pretty minimal. One of the things that you can set out to do, especially if you can sell league mates on the idea that the quarterback position is weak and that that's going to hurt your results, then maybe you can get in there and you can make some moves to trade out of some of your own picks into a variety of other picks. And then you at least have different potential shots at getting a pick maybe in the top three or four to where you'd be better positioned than with your own selection to take one of those looming quarterback stars. So I think there are a variety of ways that you can do it. I would be, in terms of the specific thing that we did, I don't think that's a good fit here because when you already have this much depth, we wanted to be at like one player deeper at wide receiver in order to have enough receiver depth to make a team work in the RV Triflex format. This team, when you have Jefferson Chase, Lamb, Higgins, Burks, and JSN, and JSN, I mean, he could be the number three guy out of all of them. We have, I have CD Lamb. I have the dynasty rankings pulled up. I have him as the 13th overall player, and yet JSN, a threat to jump him. This team has four of, well, I should say five with Higgins, five of my top eight wide receivers. You don't necessarily want more receiver depth at that point. You're going to stay concentrated and you're just going to bludgeon people with how good those receivers are. Yeah, it's, it is. It's really impressive to see how this team is set up. You mentioned some of the other challenges. The one question maybe that LA might have coming back from that is we're kind of saying maybe not. And obviously, if the offer that you would get is so significant that you have to go for it, that would be what you would do in that situation. So maybe sometimes fielding the offers to see what the options are. Never know, Sean, you may get an offer that you know blows you out of the water that you, you have to accept in those situations. But you mentioned trail on Barks or Gabe Davis. I mentioned the picks that they have then. Would it be a case that even potentially going with a, a Burks and Davis for a one? So rather than a 2v2, one of those for a quarterback or a running back that maybe are going to fit into your lineup every week or alternatively one of those guys plus a pick for those? I know we're trying to keep those picks. Would you be more likely to go for the two players putting it into the one? Basically the opposite of the question that they have asked here today are... Are you really trying to explore it in other ways? I think you can probably try and explore it in other ways. But if you had a team that after making that move, do you still think they look like the 101 or the 102 for next year? You could definitely consider it. In most cases with these guys, you're going to, unless you get a good offer for Davis, but you're going to hold and hope that he has a good first month and then move in. I've sold for very little on him in a few cases where just the roster spots were going to be a big issue. And I wanted to make a different bet that you don't get a lot back. So it was still a bet that was very much a contingency based kind of play where that player would need to hit early on and generate buzz to pay off the trade. And yet when you look at these guys, a Burks, the fact that he was still able to pull the 108 this year, when you talk about the time discount, I mean, yeah, I mean, he should be able to pull, a future one and yet 
if he comes out and is hot in the first month, then there are a variety of things that you can do. And we talk a lot about wanting to stay young, wanting to continue to open this window. But one of the things that will happen that you do want to stay aware of, especially when your team is very good, is that if a player like a Burks hits in the first month, you might be able to pull off one of these trades where you get an elite veteran receiver and a future pick. And so even though the veteran receiver part of it doesn't necessarily fit the philosophy, if you're replacing the points in a way that is a positive for 2023 and you're getting a future element as well, again, you have multiple ways to win. You can increase your floor and ceiling for the current year. You can possibly get back out of that veteran. Burks was one of the players who just has such a wide range of outcomes, both because of what happened to him as a rookie and because of the quarterback situation that we want to always be aware of trying to sell high, buy low, look for places to get in, but also look for places to get out because the value could drop so significantly on a wide variety of different types of news. Whereas for most of these guys that we're targeting, the only way they really drop is if they get hurt. And that's just something that, it is a part of football. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on then, Sean, to a more quarterback-focused question in reference to one of the recent Dynasty Workshop articles, and there's been lots of positive feedback on those that Sean has up on rotaviz.com. So I'd recommend checking those out. And he's looking into some of his options for quarterback. So his primary dynasty team, which he expects to compete this year, is Tua, Howell, and Tannehill on the roster. He said he was hoping to get Daniel Jones or Goff with future assets to bolster the position. But he was wondering if there were others that he should prioritize. He said he's debated trying to use Tua plus something else to target a top-tier quarterback, but the prices seem to be too prohibitive. He also has a, a kind note about Sean and the content. So the reason, Sean, this fits so well into today's show is two of these quarterbacks are quarterbacks on our team. We have Tua and Sam Howell, who are identical players, and then we have Matthew Stafford, who is kind of, I would have him ranked higher than Tannehill, but he's in that veteran quarterback tier, and then we've added uh, during the draft one of our late picks we took a, a flyer on Billy Zappi so his three quarterbacks and and our main three here are, are of similar of nature what are some again this opens up opportunities for us to discuss while we're live recording the show some of the the potential things that we could also do with with our reanimators team so what are, what are your thoughts here in terms of 
the two a plus to get the top tier quarterback. We did talk something similar recently, but that can be a real challenge in Superflex to to move, you know, those two assets with one of them being a young quarterback to get into that top tier, which is, as he mentioned, so prohibitive based on price. And the big difference that you mentioned is that while Tannehill and Stafford perhaps have a similar scoring outlook, if you do jump back to the 2021 season, Stafford was fantastic. Yeah. He's not surrounded by a ton of talent outside of Cooper Cup, and that probably hurts his ceiling in part just because you need the talent and it part because they have a tendency to get pretty run heavy when they're not explosive through the air. So we're looking at that as ideally we won't actually have to use Stafford a ton. This will be a Tua and Sam Howell starting lineup team with a very safe veteran if one of our guys gets hurt or blows up. The problem if you have Tannehill is that he's probably going to be replaced at some point in the season, and then you're on Tua and Howell, and if Howell also either blows up or gets benched, then you're down to one QB and you're suddenly out of it. So part of the thing for me here would be where is this team otherwise? Because if I'm still somewhat early on or I have a lot of young players with a very wide range of outcomes, one of the things that happened (laughs) to almost all of our teams is that Jamison Williams, someone who projects as a huge breakout player in 2023, is going to miss the first six games. And so now you have this addition. It may not be the only one, according to reports, Sean. There's there's lots of reports circulating as to how many of these NFL players are actually betting on, you know, one they shouldn't be betting. Maybe the NFL needs to send a memo. I I don't know. Let's just get less enforcement and let them do what they want, right? Uh, if you're not betting on your own games, let it go. No, obviously, you got to have awareness of that. The the gambling in your own league is is an issue. When we think about that, we look at, at Jamison Williams. If you have a rough first six weeks as a result of that, then there's part of you especially if QB is the position you need where you're looking for 2024 and saying that can be the draft that changes everything. You're not necessarily saying it has to be that, but if you have this tool howl combo and that's, those are two players that we really like, not surprisingly, at least some (laughs) percentage of our listeners are going to have those guys the reason that I like it and I'm willing to not, I wouldn't say panic buy. If you can add Daniel Jones or Jerry Goff, you should do that. But the reason that I wouldn't push it if it weakens the rest of your team is that these players are perfect because you really want the, the wide range of outcomes at the quarterback position with it being so high scoring. If Tua stays healthy, then you actually have a foundation QB. And so a lot of the questions that we get are how can we package Tua to get up to the top guys? My thing would be I prefer just to ride with that. And if he hits, you actually have a guy who, I mean, is Justin Herbert, I have ranked in the first round. He goes in the first round. I think you would prefer to if he's healthy. So, I mean, you wouldn't want to spend to get out of that. And then Howell is someone who, if he hits, 
I mean, you've got a guy who in 2024 is a startup second round pick. That's just how sim- that's just simply because go. of that's just simply because of the value of quarterbacks and startups as well. It you is starting quarterback. Is. Yeah. Right. You have a starting quarterback, but you have a young quarterback and you have a rushing quarterback. You've got a guy with a wildly undervalued arm. You've got him in what projects to be a fun offense. You have him with some undervalued talent around him. If he makes it, he's a startup round two guy next year. Now, there are a lot of reasons why he might not make it. And so since we talk about him all the time, it's important to continually say that. There are a lot of reasons he might not make it. Maybe it's even skewed a little bit in that direction. But when you have two players like Tua and Howell, you're perfectly set up because you can win this year, which is your goal. If they hit, you're in the mix to win this year, especially if you keep the rest of your assets so that you can dominate the other starting lineup positions. If they miss, and really it's a case in this particular team, it's a good question because if either one of them misses, it's almost the situation where now you're going to lose and you could be in that group where you're competing for a top three or four pick next year. And then you can address the QB position in a way that's very dynamic and sets you up for the long haul. Whereas if you make a compromise move and you try and go for a third QB to help the floor, now you're still in a situation where if one of those guys with a high ceiling gets hurt, the compromise QB doesn't give you enough firepower to be a favorite but they also moves you out of the position to draft a guy next year. So I would prefer to, to kind of take that shot at being first or last. I mean, obviously you could end up second or third. You could end up 102, 103. It's not completely first or last, but, but the fact that you can go to the extremes is hugely valuable in dynasty. We don't want to finish in the middle. Yeah. And with that, obviously Daniel Jones and Goff were mentioned, would they for you be somebody who fits into the, third quarterback who's not going to raise the floor in those situations are are those two of the guys that obviously we've talked about in the past are they ones that may be exceptions to that rule where if you can get them as your third quarterback without having to to give up a huge amount i i, I definitely wouldn't recommend the two uh, plus to get into the top tier but i do think having that third option in the jones or golf mold with a wide range of outcomes may be something that could bolster this team to to push it over the edge as well yeah i do like those two names and and i guess when i'm pushing you on it is there is there any other names in that kind of tier of your quarterbacks that you'd be putting into that zone well some of the trades i've seen recently for like a desmond ritter for example are are kind of doable in that he's another guy where if he hits i think there are a little bit more limitations in terms of how high he rises because you're gonna have a run heavy offense but i mean he skyrockets right so talking about that, players with uh players around them that uh, the, they're not undervalued but he could end up being the quarterback of one of the most improved offenses in the entire nfl if they pass the ball a little bit more than they did last year yeah and they already kind of started in that direction once they moved to ritter i like goff because he's younger than people think and they are in the process of surrounding him with crazy weapons I like Daniel Jones because you have the hybrid element. You've got the good coaching staff. And even though, I mean, they've approached it from more of a volume than a high-end talent perspective, but they're going to have less risk of getting really weak at the receiver positions than what they had last year. So I do like those guys. It's almost a situation, though, where I like them a little bit more when they're all together 
and you're kind of streaming them almost on your own team. You're playing the matchups each week. And because you have spent so little to get them to that point, then the rest of your lineup spots. So if you have a, a team that is Daniel Jones and Jared Goff, and we do have some teams like that, and perhaps the third QB would be a Mac Jones, then the rest of that team should be ready to annihilate the competition at all their spots. You should have an elite RB1, an elite RB2. All of those wide receivers should look like the receivers we just talked about on Ellie's team. Your tight ends should be elite. And because you're then kind of mini streaming your own QBs, your starting lineup and your weekly upside is very, very impressive. I like them less if you have to give up other assets at this point. I mean, basically, I guess part of what I'm saying is I think Daniel Jones and Jared Goff were good picks a year ago good guys to target a year ago. And we kind of want to look at the next group of those guys as opposed to targeting them. And some names that might you know, be in that range would be something like a Baker Mayfield, even though that's incredibly gross. A Kenny Pickett, a Desmond Ritter, as we just mentioned, a Jordan Love. So you, you look in your own league and you try and figure out which players are accessible and you go after those guys. And obviously you're going to have to pay prices that are vaguely the result of the global ADP, but individual managers in your league are going to have different needs and different readings on those guys that may make them more or less available. And if you do a creative trade, then you get ahead of their big jump as opposed to, I mean, there's still room for Goff and Jones to grow, but I, I do think that they were 2022 selections as opposed to and targets as opposed to 2023 targets. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. And something that we do talk about, we haven't talked about in some of the recent dynasty shows is the uh, same with basketball is you want to be getting the guys, you kind of touched on it when we were in some basketball conversation recently where the guys who were zero RB targets last year are the players who are in that range. We don't want to be buying them now at the increased prices this year. And it's the same with, the likes of even a, a Geno Smith, a Daniel Jones, as you mentioned there. Um, and it feels like Baker Mayfield really does feel gross, as you mentioned, but he has, you know, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans there to, to throw the ball to. You know, could he be this year's Geno Smith? I haven't been targeting him in that way, but it's definitely not out of the realms of possibility, but we will see. Sean, the final question, and that question, the last question came in from Nate, so thanks to Nate for sending in that one. The last one comes in, main focus of the question is around upcoming rookie draft that's happening this week so the pressure is on when the selections have to be made the time will be on the clock he is thinking about anthony richardson and jsn and what should happen at this point so in terms of how he has the draft this year he has the first three picks in this draft so he is well set up for 2023 draft selections Planning on taking Bajon Robinson as the first pick, Jamar Gibbs then as the second pick, but keeps going back and forth between Anthony Richardson and JSN for the third pick. So that is the main part of the question is really JSN or Anthony Richardson. I'll open up the floor to you in terms of, do you think Bajon and Gibbs are the clear picks there or should one of them maybe fall out? But it's a 12-team Superflex PPR league. His current team is Lamar, Tua, Cousins, and Trey Lance. Running back is Miles Sanders, uh, Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, Dante Foreman. Wide receiver is Chase, Ayuk, Ridley, Jameson Williams, Hollywood Brown, and Odell Beckham. 
and then tight end is Pitts and Gesicki. So there's obviously a lot of upside with the potential of Anthony Richardson coming in. This team, Sean, looks to have the strength at quarterback with how things are set up with those four options they have. Obviously, question marks around what's going to happen with Lance this year in uh, San Francisco, but the rest all looks pretty good. How are you, I guess the easiest way to answer this question is is ranking those four guys, but then obviously if we factor in priority, that does put a little bit of a, a knock then on the, the Richardson pick. So probably the, the three non-quarterbacks are the way to look here. Yeah, so this kind of gets back to our most controversial take of the offseason when we're looking at dynasty and rookie drafts. And one of the things I would say here is that this could easily blow up on our face. I'm not in any way saying that there are guarantees on this. But one of the notes, and it's also kind of related to, to Nate's question, we didn't talk about it from that perspective, but is relevant, is that one of the teams that I do with Blair that now has 31 players in a 20 roster spot league, so it's going to have to consolidate a lot as we go forward. Is a this third I, of the team. It is to uh, consolidate a third of the roster. <laughs> the nice thing about that, though, Colin, is that the players are very good, so they're going to have so much value. The getting down is not as hard as it sounds because I mean, people are going to want those guys. It's also a team where their quarterbacks are not particularly strong. And so when we had the second and third overall picks, I mean, it would have made a lot of sense to take Richardson and Young. Those are the guys by ADP. They're the guys with the most positional value. They're the players who, in a lot of ways, are going to hold their trade value unless they play really poorly. But we also have this issue of how are they going to score in 2023? And especially with Young, you can look at his best ball ADP and you can see that drafters don't expect him to be a factor this year. Now, that's not the case with Richardson. People love him for right off the bat. They think you're going to get a lot of rushing value there. The thing I noted when I was breaking down this team is that I think that Gibbs and JSN are much, much better prospects. And kind of one of the jokes going around for a while when people were talking about zero RB was that a better way to approach it was zero bad players. And a lot of that is just, that's a very good point. Some of that was targeted at zero RB. Some of it was mostly just, you know, tongue in cheek, what have you. But I would always argue that zero RB, the whole point of it was to take a, Z, a zero bad players approach. Let's not get caught up where we're drafting these receivers who aren't going to give you any value, but also we're not going to draft running backs who are bad. We're looking at these contingency-based plays where when they hit, they blow up in a huge way. When I'm looking at picks early, positional value is very important, and yet the zero bad player concept also comes into play for me in a, in a big way. Anthony Richardson was a bad college player. That doesn't mean that he'll be a bad professional player. You have far too many really bright analysts who think that he's going to hit to say that just because he was bad before that he'll be bad again and yet there's no question that gibbs and jsn were collegiate superstars who have games that translate very well now in the same way that richardson isn't guaranteed to miss just because he was a bad player in college it doesn't mean that gibbs and jsn will necessarily hit just because they were good in their games in theory and by in theory just from historical patterns that their games translate very well that doesn't mean that they're going to hit but we do know that the zero bad players approach is very profitable 
in Dynasty because when you look at it from large baskets of players, you tend to win big and you limit your risk. But the part that also kind of came up in Nate's question and is very relevant here, especially to the team that I drafted with Blair, is that even if you don't really like Young or Richardson, because they're quarterbacks, they offer a bridge to making the trade for the guys you actually want. The tricky thing, once you get out of a startup, and most of these questions are about rookie drafts, they're not about startups. Once you get out of the startup, it's so difficult to make moves for quarterbacks because even if a player is available for somebody else kind of in a vacuum, in order to make the move for that quarterback, you have to give them quarterback value back in the vast majority of cases because they can't risk diminishing their QB depth. So even if you don't like Young and Richardson, you tr you draft them and then you trade them with another player thrown in for somebody that you want. As it gets back to this particular question, the interesting thing for me is that this team is loaded at QB. And so even though getting kind of a, the double Lamar element would be very exciting, you also then have kind of the annual risk of those guys getting hurt now the other quarterback in there too also can get hurt trey lance also can get hurt but when you have four dynamic players already and tua has this immense upside there are so many different things you can do there we talked about you know what do you want to do with Traylon burks or gabe davis maybe play them for a month and you're hoping that their trade value jumps again so that you can move them Kirk Cousins, I think, is a guy who, even though he's older, he doesn't fit really into that Daniel Jones and Jerry Goff category. We've been skeptics throughout his career. Helen, I don't know that there is a quarterback in the entire NFL who has a better combination of talent, scheme, and coaching than Kirk Cousins. And so I've even, like in the NFL Town of Death, I took him empty because in a 12-team league where there's not a tournament element, I'm not as concerned about the stack portions he had fallen very deep into that draft and he's got such a high floor and a high ceiling from a 2023 perspective that i'm mean, actually like kirk cousins this year which is hard to say but i mean the vikings he's changed the, <laughs> the vikings could score so many points through the air that you get halfway through this season and if you want to unload kirk cousins even with the fact that he's older, even with the fact that Minnesota has sent up signals, because Minnesota is just in the same boat we are, where they're like, well, I mean, it's kind of working. We're winning some games. We're scoring some points. But Speaking of sending out signals, I had, if I had said in 2022 that Sean was hyping Kirk Cousins in 2023, we would be thinking that <laughs> that was a signal that uh, <laughs> he was being held hostage or something like that. I think you're going to be able to move Kirk Cousins to a team that is in a win now mode for a package that helps you rearrange your team if you want that helps you do other things at quarterback so for me this team is not in the situation that nate is in asking his question it's not in the situation that blair and i am in it's not in the situation that you and i are in as we try and reanimate our team this team is in a situation where I mean, I, th I think you want JSN. I mean, he's that good. But if you are torn at all, and and Blair and I were not torn, but we were still trying to get down because we didn't think that other drafters in our league would 
I don't know how the guts is the right term. They just wouldn't have the same value. And they would probably take the QBs. If we could trade back, then we would take our guys. It's harder to do if your rankings are up on the internet and your league mates are looking at them. But in this case, if the drafter is torn, then especially what you want to do is you want to work through all the scenarios to move back because you should be able to move back at least a spot and get something significant for allowing someone else to move back or to move up for Richardson. So you move back a spot, the other manager takes Richardson, you take JSN and you've profited. Again, if they know what you want to do, they may not work through it with you. The person with the 104 may not have that need, but that's a key thing to explore if you're thinking about passing on Young and Richardson, the two guys who do tend to go 102, 103 in almost all Superflex drafts. Awesome stuff. And uh, thank you to everyone who sent in those questions today as we got to talk through them, kind of share some of our thoughts with our team and, and blend it all together. So a fun show. Hopefully everyone has enjoyed it on this Friday edition of Road of His Overtime, our third show of the week. If you haven't already checked out our two shows from earlier this week, we did one of those on Monday talking through the MFL 10 of death that Sean is drafting in. Really fun show. So check those episodes out. As always, I mentioned this, but make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. You do get all the shows as soon as they come out over there. It's always the first place that you get the content from myself and Sean. You can obviously subscribe to the Rotary's YouTube channel. It's usually 24, 48 hours after they post on the podcast site where you get those episodes. So subscribe to both. It helps us out a lot. But the quickest way to get all the content is on the Rotary's Overtime podcast feed. Drop us a written review as well for those if you haven't done so already. That would be much appreciated. Myself and Sean are drafting against the road of his overtime community this weekend on sunday some of those shows will be coming out over the next week or so as podcasts you can hear myself and sean's thoughts on the strategies of those drafts and also picks that we make and how we came to those decisions so looking forward to both drafting with sean and the overtime community and also sharing those shows with you over the next couple of weeks so until we are back my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to marlin my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until next time have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast